0: up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. 405 2561
1: That's 800-405-2561. Get ready to grip it and rip it.
0: All right, let's move on. We got your offers waiting.
1: Dedicated to bringing better golf to America, this is Tea to Green, the golf show.
2: The show by golfers for golfers. It is Tea to Green, the golf show. Hello from the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the longtime home of t to Green. I'm Jay Ritchie along with Jerry Evans. Thanks for being a part of what we do every Sunday. What we do every Sunday is have fun and talk about golf. We're going to do that today with a couple of great guests. First up, Nathaniel Crosby, the youngest son of entertainer Bing Crosby. Nathaniel inherited his dad's passion for golf and was a pretty good golfer. Back in 1981, Nathaniel Crosby won the U.S. Amateur Championship. He spent some time on the PGA Tour in the 1980s and since then has headed up several golf companies. Now he's returning to the worldwide amateur golf stage. Nathaniel Crosby will captain the U.S. team at the Walker Cup matches in Great Britain next month. The Walker Cup is the amateur version of the Ryder Cup, the U.S. versus Great Britain and Ireland, and Nathaniel Crosby returns and talks golf with us on Tee to Green today. Then later in the hour, there's been a lot of big tournaments and some great golf played in the British Isles over the past month or so. Scotland, Ireland, and Great Britain have hosted a number of championships and major championships, and no one better to talk about golf in those three countries, and our good friend, Alan Ferguson of Ferguson Golf, the publisher of the Scottish-Irish Golf Newsletter, he'll be back with us on the show today. He's also an author, and he's got a new book called Route 36, Ohio to Colorado, America's Heartland Highway, we'll talk about it today. It's early Sunday morning, the sun is coming up, I'm on the T at 7, I'm here to try my luck. It's America's longest running network radio golf show, TD Green. Check out our website, tdegreenradio.com, and like us on Facebook. Scott Cuddy's in Master Control, Jay and Jerry. We're also on SiriusXM Channel 211 and the SiriusXM app. We're teeing it up with Nathaniel Crosby next on TD Green.
3: It's summertime once again, which means pool parties, barbecues, and relaxation, but it also means home projects, which aren't much fun. So why not let Home Advisor take them off your hands? From minor repairs to major remodels, Home Advisor will connect you with top-rated pros in your area, letting you get back to summer fun. The pros have been reviewed by your neighbors so you can see what others thought of their work. And if you're not sure how much your project should cost, Get multiple quotes from pros and use HomeAdvisor's project cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. And to top it all off, you can book appointments online, no more phone tag. HomeAdvisor makes it beyond easy to get your home projects done. So don't wait. Get those projects done now and make the most of your summer. To find the right pro at a fair price, just ask HomeAdvisor. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free award-winning HomeAdvisor app today. At 28, I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years.
4: I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about Elite Rehab Placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober and...
0: That's 800-403-5912.
1: The Broadmoor is one of the world's premier resorts. This 3,000-acre property has 700 rooms and suites, a world-class amenity spa and fitness center, plus more than 185,000 square feet of meeting space. The Broadmoor is located five miles southwest of downtown Colorado Springs and one hour south of Denver. The Broadmoor continues to stand in the forefront of world-class facilities, amenities, and service, combining modern comfort and convenience with an elegant charm of the past.
2: top source for golf news and entertainment on the radio, online, and on your smartphone, it is Tee to Green. It's the Golf Show. We're back with you for another Sunday edition of the big show here from the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Jay Ritchie alongside Jerry Evans. How are you doing, Chair?
5: Well, I'm doing great. It's always a pleasure to be here. Once again, a beautiful day in Colorado. And uh, we're glad everybody's decided to join us.
2: Yeah, including a couple of great guests today. Later in the hour, we'll talk to Alan Ferguson about playing golf in the British Isles, Scotland, Ireland, and Great Britain. Alan Ferguson of Ferguson Golf right up the road here in Denver, Colorado, and a good friend of Tita to Green. He'll be back with us on the show later in the hour. Our first guest is ready to go, all teed up on the Tita to Green guest line. Nathaniel Crosby has worn a lot of hats over the course of his career. Uh, he is a uh, an author. He is an entrepreneur. He's headed up a number of golf companies a pretty fair golfer too he won the 81 u.s amateur championship he was a member of the victorious team usa at the 1983 walker cup match he played for a while on the pga tour and oh by the way did i mention his dad was none other than bing crosby (laughs) yeah one of the most (laughs) famous celebrities Maybe the biggest celebrity of the almost for the entire last century. And he had a passion for golf that he passed along to all of his sons, including Nathaniel, who this year was named the Walker Cup captain. The Walker Cup is the uh, amateur version of the Ryder Cup, and they'll be playing next early next month in Great Britain, the U.S. versus. Europe uh, versus actually Ireland and Great Britain in the amateur the World Walker Cup amateur championship, and we're happy to welcome Nathaniel Crosby back to Tita Green today. Nathaniel, how you doing?
6: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back.
2: Well, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Uh, your career with this, uh, with you being appointed as captain of the Walker Cup, has it kind of come full circle?
6: It really has, because I uh, I really. I stopped playing competitive golf after three years on the European Tour when I was really just turning 27 years old. I decided to uh, focus my energies on the on the golf business side of things and instead sort of trying to chase the ball around. But, um, you know, I had accomplished some nice uh, – I had a, a few nice accomplishments as an amateur. And the criteria for being picked as a Walker Cup captain is generally, uh, you know, a strong amateur career. That includes a, a win a runner-up, uh, the U.S. amateur or maybe a mid-amateur champion. So uh, I fit that. Uh, that deal. And it's, it's a thrill, but you know, as much as anything else, it, there's not too many things in this life that you get to take a bow for, or something you accomplished 35, 40 years ago. And uh, you know, my uh, my ego, my chest has swollen a little bit. My ego's out there, <laughs> and my family can barely stand it.
2: Did you, it's probably a pretty short list of guys who could be the captain of the Walker Cup team. Did you even know you were on this list, or was it something that you were kind of pursuing?
6: Yeah, no, uh, well, shameless, shameless self-promotion is one of my fortes.
2: <laughs> but,
6: um, you know, David say kind of tapped me on the shoulder with the executive directors of the USGA back you know, maybe as long as 20 years ago and said, you know, you might be, you're likely to be the captain of the Walker Cup, and it wasn't, uh, I think we were at the, the Masters, uh, the, I get invited as an honorary invitee to attend the amateur dinner on Monday nights, which has been another great privilege of mine for this, the tradition in the last 20 years, but David kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said it might happen, so I thought about it, and um, then, um, you know, I, I've had a lot of fun uh, with the different generations of relationships with USGA executives, and presidents, and committee members, and I've got to know everybody. Uh, and strangely enough, uh, Seminole Golf Club, where I'm a member, I think I'm the ninth Walker Cup captain that has has been or is a member of Seminole Golf Club. Wow. And I'm not sure there's any other golf club that has two. <laughs> so it's uh, it's been truly a, a thrill, and I'm having some of getting to know the next generation of superstars and uh, PGA Tour players, uh, you know, prior to them turning pro, and watching them play golf, watching their games progress, and uh, and meeting their families, which uh, you know the galleries are pretty thin, so you introduce yourself to the parents at many of these amateur tournaments, and the next thing you know, you you know the you know the the kid to the whole background because they're not too shy about talking about their kids, so. Um, you know, and the next thing you know, you have a relationship with the, you know twenty or thirty uh, families that have their uh, uh, their child as the prospect for the for making the Walker Cup team.
5: So you have to basically uh, work out the list as far as who's going to be playing at certain times and everything like that. Uh, with regard yeah, to get- that, well, I was going to say, with regard to that, what are some of the duties that you have to employ for yourself in order to to help these amateurs uh, go on and and be successful not only in this matchup, but also throughout the rest of their career?
6: Well, um, you know, to just be clear, the USGA has a committee of 10 people that uh, that choose to make the actual choices. I have a, uh, a significant input, but don't say so on who makes the team. And we've, we've selected three players with a young player named Akshay Batia, a junior who just turned 17? Uh, Stuart Hagerstad, who played on the last team, is a mid-amateur at 27 or 8 years old, I think now, and um, uh, and then Cole Hammer, who I call my adopted child, because I, I watched him win I think 11 matches in a row last year, including being the uh, Western Amateur champion and getting to the semifinals in the U.S. Amateur. And we'll pick the the committee will pick the last seven players on um, the Saturday of the U S amateur. Um, and, uh, if there's still a couple of Americans vying for the U S amateur spot, then they'll hold one or two spaces at that time, uh, until the match until the amateur is concluded. So, you know, it's a, it's been, it's the right thing. I think for captains, they want me to, to scout and learn about the kids and have a significant input on their personalities, their games. Uh, because I think the first six, or seven out of the ten choices are are relatively easier choices to make. The last three are excruciating and could probably go to as many as, you know, 10 or 15 different kids for those last three spots. So it it becomes a real, uh, uh, you know, it becomes a real challenge where it becomes very difficult for the committee. And um, it would be difficult for me to recommend one over the other for those last three spots, to be sure.
2: Nathaniel Crosby will captain our guest. Nathaniel Crosby will captain Team USA at the 2019 Walker Cup match, September 8th and 9th, at Royal Liverpool Golf Club in Hoylake, England. The Walker Cup, uh, everyone knows Nathaniel. Everyone knows the Ryder Cup. Walker Cup is actually a little bit older, but uh, it's in the U- here in the U.S. It spawned the likes of Bobby Jones, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. They've all played. Uh, at some point in their careers for the for the Walker Cup, and uh, was it a lot bigger years ago than it is now?
6: Well, I think amateur golf in general was a lot bigger um, and had more fanfare uh, through probably the 1960s or the early part of the 1960s. I think winning a U.S. Amateur in, in 1955 or 6 when my buddy Harvey, wore, my my dad, buddy and my later buddy. Uh, a generational friend, Harvey Ward, won two U.S. Amateurs in a row. It was as big a deal as winning two U.S. Opens in a row, uh, or close to it, if not. Um, when I won the U.S. Amateur in 1981, it was, you know, there were 10,000 people in the gallery, but it wasn't uh, on the top of the sports page. It was in the sports page, but it wasn't on top of the sports page. Uh, so when the money got big enough in golf and all the, the great players – you know, decided to turn pro. That wasn't really the case in the thirties and forties and even into the fifties where some of the great players just elected to remain amateur because there wasn't enough money in the sport.
5: Well, that certainly changed throughout the years and we can understand why, uh, a lot of those players decided to, to go ahead and go pro because the, the money kept increasing over the years. But, uh, you know, I certainly realized that, uh, the amateur uh, championships had a big impact on the overall play of golf. We thought we were going to
6: have three or four more choices. um, And a lot of these players now are getting signing bonuses to sign with agents. So the lure of, uh, of getting, you know, five invitations that the managers are organizing on the PGA tour and, uh, and a signing bonus to, uh, uh, to sign with that agent to, that has ready contracts
5: for them. Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel. You know, Matt. Yeah, we got to take a break. Nathaniel. Yeah,
2: we got a break coming up here, but we're going to pick it up on the other side. He's agreed to stay with us for a couple of segments. 19, 2019 Walker Cup captain for the U.S. team, Nathaniel Crosby. Our guest today right here on Tee to Green.
1: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now. Imagine
4: this is your money and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. They want your money. And guess what? They can legally take it, all of it if they want. Remember, they sent you that letter that said, hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're gonna take it from you. So what do you do?
0: 800 932 932 1749 That's eight hundred nine three two seventeen forty nine.
1: Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper,
0: 800 Once again, that's 800
7: Straight down the middle It went straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee wee bit And that's when my caddy lost sight of it That little
2: white palette has never been found to this day But it went straight down the middle Oh yeah! That's a classic. If you don't get a smile on your face listening to that, you're not a golfer. That's exactly right. Yeah. News, interviews, and fun. That's what we do here on Tee to Green for everyone interested in golf. Jay Ritchie, Jerry Evans, Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. that That's from like 1960. Words and music by Sammy Kahn, Jimmy Van Heusen, and the vocals, of course, from... Derbingle, Bing Crosby.
5: That's right, and uh, it always reminded me of, of one of my favorite sayings about golf, and that is, if you hit the ball down the middle, golf's not a riddle.
2: <laughs> there you go. It's probably the like the third verse of that yeah, song. Probably right,
5: <laughs> yeah. And the reason
2: we're playing that, of course, is we're on with uh, Nathaniel Crosby, the 2019 American Walker Cup match captain, and, of course, the his dad was Harry Lillis Bing Crosby and he, uh, Bing Crosby passed along his passion and his love for the game to all of his children, including Nathaniel. And it occurred to me, Nathaniel, as I was listening to that 1960, that was before you were born, wasn't it?
6: Yeah, I came a year later, and uh, it was it was funny. Um, uh, Somebody was uh, giving me an interview uh, for the San Francisco Chronicle recently and asking me how much time I spent at my dad's house in Pebble Beach. And uh, Dad sold his house at Pebble Beach in 1957, and I've been mad at him ever since.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: Those would have been good times if I had had uh, a few years. Anyway, a little bit of childhood at uh, Pebble Beach, but I did get down there a lot, but uh, not with a, not with a house waiting for me.
2: Well, uh, you you did spend a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of time at Pebble Beach, and you hung out not only with uh, some of the greatest entertainers of the day, but some of the great greatest golfers of the day, as well as, as when you were a child.
6: Yeah, that was kind of my fascination with the game came from. Dad uh, uh, had it so that my brother and I were handing out scorecards and pencils to uh, the likes of Jack Nicklaus and Tom Weisskopf and Ray Floyd and all the great players from the late seventies. I think when we were about when I was about seven or eight years old, I started that tradition, and um, and then wound up hosting the tournament. Uh, for eight years after my dad died. So definitely got to rub elbows with uh, with a lot of the celebs and the and the tour stars of that time.
5: Did you ever get to play with Bob Hope and your dad at the same time?
6: You know, uh, I believe I did at Cummingdale. I played a lot of golf with Bob Hope. He invited me to Asia in his late 80s, and uh, Tony Pena was my golf instructor, who was one of his close friends. So after my dad died, Uh, You know, I stayed with him during the Hope tournament, and, uh, you know, we wound up playing together in the feature group, Uh, you know, obviously Bob being the feature, but I would play with Gerald Ford and Bob, and, uh, you know, in the Pro-Am days at the Hope, and uh, I think at Inverary I did it with Jackie Gleason and Bob Hope, but um, Bob took me to Asia in the late 80s, which is a story unto of itself for about 12 days. And he did a show every night but one and played night holes every day with me.
5: <laughs> Wasn't Gerald Ford infamous for hitting a spectator or something like that at one time? <laughs>
6: yeah, he, he was actually a little bit better golfer than people remember him to be. But uh, but he was always, uh, you know, whenever he hit a straight drive and hit somebody in the gallery, he would be on the front of the, of the nightly news that night.
2: Yeah, well, he's a pretty good athlete overall. The, the late President Gerald Ford. You mentioned in the first segment how proud you are and how puffed out your chest is to be named the Walker Cup captain, and how your career has kind of come full circle. What do you think? How do you think your dad would feel about that? About that right now, and how proud would he be, and how fired up would he be for this event?
6: Well, I I think uh, it, it's such a privilege, he would be, you know, I would. Dad was just, uh, he died just a couple of years before I won the U.S. Amateur, but I always used to say that he had a better, he, he had a view from on high, which is probably a better vantage point than anybody, and probably uh, influenced, influenced the match with a little divine intervention. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, this is, is a great USGA policy for, for somebody like me. Uh, it, it helps Amateur golf. Uh, I think that Brad Fackson and some of the, Tour players that turn pro and had successful TGA tour careers would probably love to be a Walker cup captain as well. And, uh, but as long as the policy is to just, uh, uh you know, nominate, um, uh, players that are still amateur, it's good for amateur golf. And, uh, you know, for me where I really was disengaged is I chose, uh, not to chase amateur golf tournaments around as an adult, and raised uh, four and four kids, and later two stepkids. kids. Um, it, it just uh, it just wasn't a good time management decision. But I've never lost my interest, and uh, it's been it's been just so much fun, as I said earlier, getting to know these these young players that are inevitably going to be uh, star PGA Tour players.
5: What kind of uh, schedule are you looking at as far as getting all the players ready for this upcoming competition?
6: It's you know it's been quite a schedule for for me. He has am at the just leaving the Western Amateur uh, in Michigan this this morning, and uh, I was there all week. But as far as the players, we're going to have a practice squad match, which will be in Pinehurst the week after the U.S. Amateur, which is also Pinehurst. So we're kind of reassembling them, and I'm trying to maybe set up something where if they didn't want to travel back and forth. Um, do something, you know, near Pinehurst to play a few extra days, but it's about three days of, of uh, basically seeing the the players after they've been picked to the team. See what players would play together, as, you know, in the alternate shot competition. They play a team alternate shot competition, so try to organize the chemistry issues and figure out who should play with who, and then we leave the the Friday before the Saturday of the matches, so. Um, you know, eight days before arriving a week before to uh, out to Liverpool. And uh, then we'll we'll go up and play Burkdale one day. We'll see the Beatles Museum in Liverpool and maybe take in some sights. But basically, uh, you know, start practicing on uh, Lynx Golf at the Holy Lake Golf Club.
2: Ten players for each side. The Walker Cup competition for 2019. The Americans are the defending champions. They won uh, two years ago, 2017. I think it was played out in California at the time. So you got to go. Uh, you've got to go to enemy soil and uh, without home course advantage. How tough is that going to be?
6: Well, we haven't fared too well in the last uh, few matches. I think we've lost three in a row over there. I'd have to look that up, but it's uh, it's it's. A little harder for us to win over there. Um, generally, uh, the American side in both the Ryder Cup and the Walker Cup seem to have trouble with the alternate shots, and it's just something that we're not used to. And uh, we had some practice. We had a practice squad match uh, for 16 hopefuls this past December, and it was so much fun. We we played the Bears glove, and Jack Nicholas gave uh, Q and A. Over a two-hour lunch for these 16 kids, which included, you know, Matt Wolf, who just won in Minnesota on the PGA Tour. We hoped he would. We wanted him to stay amateur, but you know, <laughs> he's off to a great start uh, by winning right out of the gate. Uh, but uh, we played three days in a row: Seminole twice, Bear Club twice, and the and Medalist golf clubs uh, the third day, and. Um, you know, it was it was really interesting to see. We made them play alternate shot each day, both days, you know, so six rounds of alternate shot. And, you know, they kind of laugh when they hit a bad shot. And I'll promise you, they never laugh when they hit a bad shot in a single uh, competition. So it just kind of goes to show you that uh, there's a different psychology. And I think the Europeans in the Ryder Cup and the Great Britain and Ireland and the Walker Cup. Take the take the alternate shot competition every bit as uh, as as intensely as they do the singles, and maybe the U.S. teams have not uh, done that because they're just not used to it, I guess.
2: Exactly. Who is the uh, Britain uh, Ireland Ireland uh, captain? Your counterpart?
6: It's uh, Craig Watson, and he uh, he was scheduled to be the captain, I believe, in um, at the L.A. country. I mean, so. LA Golf uh, Country Club, uh, or LA Golf Club, I mean, uh, two years ago, and uh, he had a family tragedy, so had to pull out at the at the last minute. So um, I don't know Craig, but I'm looking forward to to uh, taking him on and sizing up his squad uh, as they get picked in the next week or two.
2: All right, and have you thought about? I know this right now. Leading up to it, maybe you're thinking about a one-off, but have you thought about if they asked you to do it again, would you would you do it again?
6: Of course, uh, I would absolutely do it again. Uh, but uh, you don't know, catch your chickens and just focus on this. They have picked the last few captains twice in a row, but um, you know it's it's really it's really such a privilege, and it would come back to Seminole. Um, but there are uh, there are other
1: uh, worthy.
6: Uh, candidates for uh, for the captainship
2: so yeah uh, all right Nathaniel Crosby Walker Cup captain for the US team next month in uh, Hoy Lake England and Nathaniel thanks for taking the extra time to be with us today on T to Green and for us here at the show we hope all your guys hit it straight down the middle
5: that's exactly right
2: yep all right. thank
5: you so much for having me.
2: And enjoy the Cubs game later today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nathaniel Crosby. Coming up, Alan Ferguson next on T to Green. Want to
0: fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. Prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24 7 to help. 800 754 4531. 800 754 4531. That's 800 754 4531.
4: Are you an active stock market investor? Well, then you know these three keywords
2: I've got the
0: world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string around my finger
2: What a world, what a life, I'm in love Golfers listen because we speak their language every Sunday here on Tita to Green, the golf show, we go from Bing Crosby to Frank Sinatra. That's what I was
5: going to point out. We have two classic singers on the show today, so we've covered it all with all that great old music. Way to go, Bing. Way to go, Frank.
2: We being Jerry Evans, yours truly, Jay Ritchie, Scott Cuddy in master control. And our next guest is standing by. I mentioned at the top of the show that there's been a lot of great golf uh, the past month or so that we've been fortunate enough to tune in and watch from overseas. It's kind of cool getting up with, like, you know, Middle of the night watching yeah, That's watching cool. golf. <laughs> well, if you're <laughs> if you don't have to work or do anything that's else, it's cool. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of fun. It's different. And when it comes to playing golf in Scotland or golf in Ireland, nobody better to turn to than our good friend from Ferguson Golf, the publisher of the Scottish Irish Golf Newsletter and the author of a new book called Route Thirty Six: Ohio to Colorado, America's Heartland Highway. Back on tee to green is Alan Ferguson. Hey Alan, how you doing? Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Jerry. Good to Good meet you to make your uh, audio claims. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: well, thank you. It's nice to be here with you.
2: Before we talk about your your new book, uh, Route 36, let's talk about all this golf we've been watching uh, from overseas in the middle of the night and uh, the fact that uh, uh, there've been a lot of, there's been a lot of golf played this year in Ireland which uh, has kind of through the years Hasn't it kind of taken a backseat to the courses in Great Britain and, and Scotland?
8: Yeah, especially Northern Ireland, uh, Jay. And, um, you know, I think uh, after people have seen the Open in particular um, in, in the last week, uh, there will be a lot more interest in going to that north coast of, of, of Ireland, and for good reason. You know, for so many years with the, the so-called troubles of Northern Ireland, They really suffered um, in many ways, but uh, uh, more important than golf, but uh, golf certainly suffered and and now is only making a comeback here in the last uh, last few years. So, yeah, lots of golf, and I'll tell you, it's very special. Um, There are only a couple of places in Ireland where you can go where you're basically surrounded by golf courses. And uh, in Scotland, of course, as you know, that's not the case. You can go to many places and and not travel far for golf. But on the north coast of Ireland, um, you have uh, really a full uh, more than a week of golf within a very short space, and that's unusual for Ireland because they don't have as many golf courses, and the golf courses tend to be much farther apart.
2: How different is golf in Ireland than Scotland or Great Britain? Not just the, the geography, the terrain, or the weather? How how different are the courses? Are they or are they all not, not that different? You know,
8: they're they're really not all that different. Uh, we're talking about an island climate, and uh, and a very um, you know links golf, sandy based on a on a uh, on the sea, and so they're very different. They're they're very similar. They're only different in that the courses in Ireland tend to be uh, a little more dramatic because of the just because of the terrain, uh, tends to be more dune-filled. And they also are newer courses because Ireland there wasn't much golf played in Ireland until the Brits came over and, uh, and dominated the island politically and economically. So uh, there, just, there wasn't enough wealth in Ireland to create the number of courses that uh, Scotland has.
5: I've always wondered, they, they always talk about uh, the Lynx Golf uh, set up in, in the British Isles, uh, Ireland, Scotland, uh, Great Britain. Are there any courses there that have any trees?
8: <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. You know, okay. it, it, it's uh, it, a little like this country, too. I mean, once you get into to the interior, then, uh, yeah, sure, you have part, what they call parkland courses and uh, in lush settings. There aren't as many trees in Ireland, Um Frankly, and for that matter, Scotland either, because so much so much of the tree cover was um, uh, used for shipbuilding uh, and firewood and everything else. So, and as far much more densely settled than the United States, so there wouldn't be as many large um, you know, forest areas where golf courses might uh, have grown up.
2: We're with Alan Ferguson, Ferguson Golf, the Scottish Irish Golf Newsletter. Everyone knows scottish golf scotland being the home of golf i would think that uh, because of that because everybody wants to go play you know the bucket list courses in in uh, scotland like st andrews uh, i would think because of that golf in ireland you could probably get there a lot easier maybe uh, a lot cheaper and you can probably experience uh, golf in ireland uh, with, with less hassle than golfing in scotland is that true well, yes and no. Um,
8: it's uh, they're, not, they're not they're not very far apart, so the travel time is not significantly different. There are uh, lots of um, flights in and out of uh, Dublin, not so many into Belfast, where you can get to the north coast. So, um, a lot of people still fly into north into Dublin and then and then drive up to the north coast. Although another way to do that is to. Fly to London, and then there are lots of uh, flights from really very short flights from London over to Belfast. Um, Yeah, but apart from that, you know, a lot of a lot of Americans especially go to the Southwest Coast, and because there are some very famous courses down there, including Lahinch and you know many others. But I think that northern that northern um, northern Ireland trip is going to become increasingly. Uh,
2: appealing yeah I think you, there was so much especially during the coverage of the of the Open Championship at Royal Portrush I think a lot of folks maybe uh, might have watched that and if they were having thoughts about playing over there going to the British Isles uh, going to Great Britain or going to Scotland they may have changed those plans and, and Ireland may be included in those plans now what do you think have you heard yeah, much about I'm, that
8: yeah I'm seeing that already I mean, you know, when every time the Open is on, um, it, it makes an impact on, on travel plans. And in this case, uh, that's sort of in spades because uh, the, the Open hadn't, hadn't been in Ireland and hadn't been at Port Rush since 1951. So yeah. that's a long time, and it was a big, big deal in, in Ireland. And they uh, put on quite a show and sold out the tickets, so you can bet the uh, Open is going to return and be on the permanent rota of the uh, RNA.
5: Okay, let's uh, switch gears here just a little bit because uh, you were talking about traveling over to Ireland. What about this uh, travel that you're talking about with the Route 36 Ohio to Colorado? Tell us about this book and uh, what inspired you to, to go ahead and write it.
8: Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Um, you know, uh, when Coloradans think about Route 36, they almost um, most people think about the Denver-Boulder Turnpike. It's even been in the news, as you know, in the last week or two for collapsing. Um, but what they don't know is that the Route 36 uh, is far more than that. It runs from eastern Ohio at the foot of the Appalachians all the way to Estes Park. And it used to be, um, it was part of what was a transcontinental highway uh, that ran right to Colorado Springs, and it was called the Pikes Peak Ocean to Ocean Highway, and it ran from Times Square in New York City originally to San Francisco, and then changed our route to to Los Angeles. So when highways were renumbered in 1926, were, were numbered for the first time with a system in 1926, those transcontinentals were broken up, and Route 36 being sort of in the middle third of that transcontinental, uh became recognized as a, as a significant east-west highway, bringing people from the Midwest to the Rockies. So that's basically the story of Route 36. And, and the other part of your question, um, the answer is that I grew up on Route 36 in Decatur, Illinois, which runs right, the highway runs right through the town. And so I've been aware of 36 for many, many years, and having come out here to the University of Denver many years ago, I... I always took Route 36 because it was more interesting than the interstate highways, I-70, I-80. And my guess is that a lot of your listeners, when they're not playing golf or thinking about an international trip, they probably like to make road trips in America. And this is one of the great road trips that anyone can take. Um, And, uh, you know, take your golf clubs along and, and have a great time and be on a historic highway off of the interstates. That's what I would say.
5: Is it identical to Highway 40, or is it? uh, There's some differences.
8: No, uh, it's um, Highway 40 has an interesting history. Um, It is part of the old National Road, and what happened? There's a lot of detail here that you know. It's one of those deals where you know know more about it than you ever could possibly want to hear, but. 40 is also a highway that it comes to Denver, as you know. Um, 36 sits between 30 and 40. 30 is the old Lincoln Highway to the north, and 40 is the old National Road between Washington, D.C. and St. Louis, and then it comes across Kansas and so forth. But 36 six, sits between the two, just as 40 has basically become I 70, 30 has basically become I 80 and 36 cuts a basically a two-lane line between the two of them. So it's an alternative to the interstates.
2: Alan Ferguson, our guest, the Scottish-Irish Gulf newsletter and his new book called Route 36, Ohio to Colorado, America's Heartland Highway. You had some pretty good company, Alan, growing up on Route 36. Among uh, those uh, famous people in American history, who also grew up along that route, uh, Cy Young, Annie Oakley, Abraham Lincoln, Mark Twain, Walt Disney, General Pershing, and uh, the unsinkable Molly Brown. That's pretty good company.
8: That's uh, that's a great recitation, and thank you very much, Jay. I mean, that that's what makes the highway so much fun. There's a lot of history to be learned. Um, fascinating individuals all along the way. And the highway runs mostly through the small towns and villages um, all along the way. That's the way the highway was conceived, um, as opposed to going through the large cities. The Route 36 is, skirts the large cities, hits the small towns and villages, and there are only two exceptions, and that's Indianapolis and Denver, um, You know, two of the most vibrant, interesting, modern cities in the country. So, uh, and even those can be avoided if you want to. So, yeah, yeah it's a great recitation of American history and, yeah. uh, and and the small towns and villages where people can find the heart and soul of the country.
2: A couple of great examples of that, Abraham Lincoln, Springfield, Illinois, and Mark Twain, Hannibal, Missouri.
8: Small yeah, towns. Absolutely, and those are within about 90 miles of one another and they're worth, you know, at least a couple of days. So uh, this is a highway where people can really... Dig in and take your take the time, slow travel, uh, dig into the, the towns and villages and the history along the way. So,
2: okay,
8: uh, yeah. And the book is out this week, um, this coming week, it will be published, and we'll have books at Amazon uh, just as soon as we possibly can. And uh, they are taking orders already. So,
2: yep, yeah, go to Amazon.com, search for Ferguson and Route 36. And you can click on the book cover for a full description. It's called Route 36, Ohio to Colorado, America's Heartland Highway. And it's the latest from our guest, Alan Ferguson of Ferguson Gulf. Alan, always good talking to you. Good luck with the book. It looks like a fascinating read, and we hope to check it out as well. Thanks so
8: much, Jay and Jerry, and let's play um, Patty it as soon as we can, okay? Yeah. Okay, you got it.
2: Definitely, yeah. We, we talk about that every year, but this time we're going to have to do it for sure. All right. Yeah. Alan Ferguson with us today from Denver on Tee to Green. Coming up, while well, they're playing golf in Great Britain this week, the Women's AIG British Open. That and more, we'll check on Tee to Green next. fastest hour in radio the quickest hour in golf it's td green and we're not done yet time to look at what's happening on tour the pga tour back in the states this week for the 80th Wyndham championship in greensboro north carolina central country club par 70 a lot of the big names not playing this week because they're getting ready for the fedex playoffs which start next week Uh, So a lot of names on the leaderboard that you're not going to be very familiar with, like Ben Ahn. He's got the lead, 17-under par, heading into the final round today. Webb Simpson, Bryce Garrett, a shot back at 16-under. Ryan Armour, 15-under. Victor Hovland and Paul Casey are at 14-under. And Rory Sabatini in a group at 13-under. This tournament has a 54-hole cut. Oh, really?
5: That is unusual.
2: Yeah, so a lot of guys uh, after yesterday won't be playing in the final round today. Among those missing the cut, Jordan Spieth, Martin Keimer, Stuart Sink, Padraig Harrington, and Jason Duffner, who have like 10 majors among themselves there, but uh, the, the big names in that event have all pretty much missed the cut.
5: Obviously, they can only play well in the majors. They can't play in these uh, smaller courses and everything. And
2: And the AIG Women's British Open. The final round is underway at Woburn Golf and Country Club outside of London today. And America Lisette Salas has taken the lead four holes in. She's at minus 13. Hinako Shibuno of Japan, who had a two-shot lead starting the day, has uh, come out and bogeyed. Two of the first three holes, she's at minus 12, a shot back. Uh, Ashley Buhai, J.Y. Coe, the number one women's player in the world, at uh, minus 12 now, so she's just one shot back. The leaderboard just changed. As yeah, I'm that's
5: speaking. exactly right, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out in the end.
2: Yep, uh, just it's, it's pretty wide open. There's a ton of players within about three or four shots of the lead, so we'll see what happens. Thanks to Nathaniel Crosby for joining us today and Alan Ferguson for being here as well. Thank you for joining us. Till next time, hit them long, hit them straight.